Welcome to Justice Losers, the podcast where we talk about pop culture, media, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host, Matt. Matt, Matt uh, what should people do? Like, subscribe, tell a friend. So, yeah, we're joined by, like, the sixth time? Not, like, up the, there. not the sixth. I think it's, like, the fourth or the fifth. Fourth or fifth, up there. Yep. But Andrew, Andrew yeah, Johnson. The man, the myth, the legend. Andy, Andy Oxenfree. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> literally no one has called me that before in my life (laughs) the look i got from both of you was priceless yeah (laughs) now we're joined by andrew again uh andrew is in what is now dubbed the andrew william johnson memorial hot seat Mm -hmm. also i will just let you guys know i already sold the rights of this to oscar minor weenie this is now actually the oscar minor weenie mobile memorial hot seat for andrew william johnson okay Uh uh-huh um, yep. This is this name is gonna get progressively longer and longer and longer, and it's just gonna be unnecessary at that point. <laughs> I think it already is. It already yeah. is unnecessary. <laughs> Sir Poof. This Sir Poof. Yeah. What a great start. Uh, Do we want to yeah. start over? <laughs> no. no. Okay. This tracks. Uh, we'll explain why Matt uh, Andrew's here in a little bit, but yep. until then, Matt and or Andrew, what you been up to? Ladies first. Should I? Oh, what a gentleman. Matt, okay. stop punching your... That's my job. <laughs> um, I have watched a lot of One Piece lately, which is just for the record. I'm on Boy, episode... have you. I'm on episode 236 out of 900, and it's still the best anime I've ever seen. Like, it's okay. where all of the shonen tropes come from, and, like, I've always kind of thought shonen was a little too regurgitated constant like you know every new one comes out and it's just like the one before it one piece is where all of that began and it's the purest form of all of it and it's great i actually enjoy it as opposed to rolling my eyes the entire time this Um, is the reason he has not been reading hellboy yes because i sold my soul to luffy and the straw hat pirates um yeah matt I don't think we're going to be able to get Andrew for the Hellboy booze and booze. No, I'll catch up. I better because we need like to start once we hit one fifty. Two thousand pages of reading to do. Once we hit one fifty, we're going to start trying to get those side series rolling, and I want to oh. get booze and booze rolling consistently. That's and Hellboy is like the next one, <laughs> except well, Avatar. Avatar is the very next one, right? Yeah, you're let, almost done, and then we can do Hellboy. So you've let's got, do Avatar first because yeah. I can contribute to that yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> But that's not what we're ta- that's not the movie we're talking about. <laughs> and then I watched Green Room for the millionth time the other day. Uh, oh, that's a I great keep one. hearing Matt talk about that one. Oh, yeah. dude, it's kind of become like my date night movie with every girlfriend. <laughs> All right, but which is a really weird one. But it it's is. always it's a weird choice. But. The conversation always follows the same track. It's let's watch a horror movie. Hey, I don't know why Green Room is in Netflix's horror catalog, but it's a great movie. We should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah it's a productive conversation if it leads to you watching green room again. oh yeah dude yeah. fucking patrick stewart playing a nazi what's oh, yeah. better than that man it's, um so good. it's magical yeah uh also anton yeah. yelchik is just fucking i love him i yeah. miss him rest in peace anton um what else have i watched recently um i don't care anymore i saw tenet oh uh-huh. oh yeah you did what'd you think um i liked it as i was leaving the theater and as it sits with me it progressively my enjoyment of it kind of fades 
mm-hmm. and all I'm left with are my problems. Okay. Well, in any case of your life, all you're left with are your problems. Listen, I don't... I mean, yeah, no, like, no, no heavy spoilers. It's just there's some decisions and omissions in the movie that really prevent it from feeling like a full experience mm-hmm. to me. Okay. You know? Feels like there's a lot missing, and I don't know if it's intentional or... I mean, it can't be... It was... I mean, it's not as egregious as New Mutants, as we discussed, no, yeah. but it's not. pretty clearly kind of ruthlessly edited. Yeah, and especially when like they pitched us the movie as this is Christopher Nolan's fucking... He's getting to call all the shots. Yeah. Like, when they announced Tenet fucking forever... Like, two years ago. Yeah. Um, It was... It the story they told is like he's been trying to make this for ten years. Yeah. He has poured his heart and soul. This is the one movie he's ever actually wanted to make. And Warner Brothers, after him giving them their last couple movies, they're like, "You can make anything you want. We will give you fucking fifty million dollars to do it." Mm-hmm. And he took it. And Tenet's good. It's a fun watch. I enjoy myself while I'm watching it. Yeah. But it's not like a lot of Nolan's other films where, like, I carry them with me throughout. Mm-hmm. If I do carry Tenet with me, it's disappointment, not the excitement that I should be you feeling. You sound like from my parents me. right now talking about me. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. No, I... I agree. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it while I watched it. I mean, I had some legitimate criticisms coming mm-hmm. out, as, mm-hmm. as we talked about in a review. Yep. Check that out. Now, you really struggled to find that camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, well, like, my field of vision is basically just, like, black and shiny and wires. And yeah, he does. a small black shiny thing with wires. He does have a light being shined directly in his face. That's and then it's true. a tiny, weird camera. Yeah. He doesn't have it as egregious as I do. Literally, to look in your direction, I'm staring at a part of the light that's not diffused. Mm-hmm. So I'm just getting pure light bulb in like oh. a small sliver of my vision. Yeah, <laughs> you're seeing Preston from last week's episode as you were ascending to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, it looks a little bit better now. Hopefully. But... Yep. Um, yeah, no, but I'm realizing it didn't make much of an impression on me. Yeah, that's really what it is. It's like um, you walk away and go ahead. Yeah. Even. Even Interstellar, which I didn't particularly like, mm-hmm. left an impression on me leaving the theater. Dunkirk, absolutely. Inception, mm-hmm. oh boy. Mm-hmm. But this one, it was just kind of like, yeah, no, I enjoyed that. I had a lot of fun. It just didn't stick. It just doesn't stick. And I think, I really do believe that once I watch it a second time, it'll grow on me. Yeah. But until I get to that point, like, I'm not going to go see it again in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Like, You should see it in IMAX, though. That's I saw it in IMAX. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, you should okay. see it in not IMAX, so it's not, like, deafening. Well, no. if they see it in not IMAX, you, there's no dialogue. It's just... Yeah, no, that's why there's audio problems, is because the mix that I guess they're only using is the 7.1 IMAX Atmos one. Yeah. And usually theaters will convert it, or mo- produce production companies will reduce the sound to a stereo version to play in normal theaters i guess they didn't do that or just a mistake was made or maybe it's intentional maybe christopher nolan's like fuck you you're not watching my movie the way it's supposed to be you don't get to enjoy it 
which honestly i'm kind of about that energy <laughs> yeah that's uh that's all about the uh artistic vision uh mm-hmm. conserving the artistic uh, conserving the artistic vision mm-hmm. which is a uh feels oh. like a call ahead there call ahead oh to this episode yeah no i'm actually slightly calling ahead to 150 <laughs> yep i have done my research oh i know i am prepared oh i know they're gonna <laughs> They're going to fight, and the podcast is going to be over next episode. So make sure you tune in to witness the end of Justice Losers. Not next Losers. episode. Is it not the next one? This is 148. One? I keep messing that oh, up. Oh. This one's 148. Motherfucker. Okay. So in our Discord, in our company Discord, I've been constantly saying we've got one week <laughs> left. And then like, oh, wait a minute. Anyways, <laughs> come back for episode two 150 two. in two weeks, and Preston and Matt are going to fight, and the podcast will be over forever. Yep. Don't tell them what we're gonna fight about because we're keeping. I won't. Up. No, no, no. It's just I'm. I'm. It's a boxing match. Yeah. You know. It's. Yeah. Ding ding. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Go at him. Yeah. Tenet. Also, by the way, I was right. Tenet scores pretty average. I sat down and actually listened through it, um, the other day. Hmm? Oh, the score. Yeah. It's pretty average. Yeah. There's really nothing spectacular in there. Okay. There are some, like actual inverted audio clips mm-hmm. but it's kind of just there yeah it doesn't mean anything it doesn't strike you structurally it's kind of just oh noise yeah mm. okay all right matt what you been up to uh, a fair bit of stuff actually um really getting through avatar season three uh-huh um, we talked a little bit about it i've watched up through uh daydreams and nightmares which is the episode before day of the black sun which is such a f- uh, daydreams and nightmares is such a fun episode that's a good one the mm-hmm. talking oppa is just the greatest <laughs> thing in the world <laughs> Yeah, that made my girlfriend melt because she loves Appa so much. She's like, "Oh my god, he's standing on two feet and talking." <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's good stuff, but it's like it's got like a good message, you know, like mm-hmm. good, good good sleep. It's more valuable than um, stressing and over practicing. And I'm wondering because that's about the mid season finale. Which, if you're following it, like the Day of Black Sun is mid season finale. And if you're following typical TV show structure, mm-hmm. that's coming out at about like November, December, mm. which fits so well if you're watching it as a college student and you're like, yeah. maybe I should sleep instead of like cramming for these finals. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, just a couple of reflections on episodes that I've seen over the past week. Uh, the Beach. That's a weird one. Uh, which one's that one? That's the like teenage drama with uh zuko and azula and oh and like the friends and, the, like, and they the go friends to, that they go to the, the beach yeah, the, and Imba, the ember island ember island yeah. yeah it's interesting and it came together really well but the whole time i was like what am i watching right now that's that yeah. moment that really materializes their character arcs yeah both where they have been and where they are and kind of indicated yeah. to where they're going to be mm-hmm. and it, it works but it's like this is like a almost a like a Fast Times at Ridgemont High, yeah. or like a yeah, Ferris dude. Bueller kind of feeling, uh-huh. like a, just a teen movie. Yeah, exactly. That episode like... actually is really what cements Avatar as like the first Western anime because mm-hmm. it has a beach episode, just a throwaway beach episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's good stuff. It's got uh, character development, and it, mm-hmm. and it, uh, that one I do remember uh, watching recently, uh, like last time I watched through. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does authentically let each character be who they are with each other. Yeah. It doesn't like kind of throw a whole bunch of very different characters in a situation and then make them act different than they would. Right. Under given circumstances, yeah. interactions. Like, so, like Azula says something 
And then May says something back, and then Tylee's just like, ah, and like, and it's just mm-hmm. like, they're still who they are. Like, yeah. this feels right that this they're still who they are. And I feel a lesser movie would just kind of make them all like fight for reasons that are constructed and don't yeah. fit with their characters. And then they just, uh, they like reconcile in reasons that don't fit with their characters. Right. Yeah. It's not contrived, it's not sitcom. And. This episode officially breaks the ice on Azula's downfall. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. No, wait. Have they broken out of the boiling rock yet? No. Okay. Never mind. That's where they break the ice. I mean, you see you see the cracks. You, you see, see the, the cracks, threads. but there's the official there's actually a sound cue indicating that this has begun. Okay. Because there's a moment and there's a boom, like like there's literally a a drum sound where you're like Oh no, <laughs> this is the beginning of the end. <laughs> okay. Got that to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. So I will probably be done this time next week, but maybe not. We'll see how cool. the week goes. But yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, Puppeteer episode was great. Oh, bloodbending. Yeah. Such yeah. an out of place, creepy and amazing episode. Oh, that was like just, okay, we're going to do a horror episode yeah. now, but it mm. works. Yeah. And it's got stakes and like character development, and it expands the world. It's awesome. Yes, mm-hmm. I love that. That's because uh, I mentioned that to you a while ago. I was aware that it was a thing, but I didn't know what it was going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she like they went out into the field with all the flowers, and she drained the like the water from some of them. The the old lady Hama yep. did, and I was like, oh, Uh-oh. I know what this episode's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of that like. Sometimes the spoiler makes it better. Yeah. You just, you're anticipating exactly. and you're waiting to see how things fit together. It's like getting the first and second watch at the same time. Yeah. It was absolutely a case of that. Yeah. Really good. And something that I, as far as I can remember, Cora builds on that while not making it okay. Okay. Like they're like one of the villains is a bloodbender kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a point at it. Cause like, as far as I can remember, I haven't seen these episodes cause that happens in later episodes after right. I stopped watching. Uh, where they show Aang using bloodbending, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of that moment. Am I wrong? Like, is it? Does that not happen? No, I was. I have no idea how oh. Korra handles bloodbending, but I I'm kind remember. of angry at the idea of Aang bloodbending. It's so uh, angry. Oh, go die! No, <laughs> uh, the. I think they handled it. I love it. Pretty good. I can't. I, I didn't watch the episode. I saw the clips. It was like it was just like a YouTube, uh, like a YouTube compilation of all the Ang clips and Korra. Yeah, and that uh. was like one of them. So I think the build up to it was a little better, kind of justifying it in a way. Okay. That you can justify bloodbending, but mm-hmm. no, that's a good scene or that's a good movie, uh, good episode. Yeah. Um, been reading more Daredevil, so I finished volume three of the Brian Michael Bendis run. Mm-hmm. Um, which ends with a bang. It was one where I was like, oh, I've got like five issues left in the main story. I'll split that up over a couple of evenings. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fast pace and things really ramp up. Um, Sounds it, like a killer be killed situation. A little bit. Dude, killer be killed is some good shit, it's man. some good shit. So it's funny because it's building into a plot point that... Oh, wait, is this the Brubaker run? Not yet. Oh, but, that would have been perfect. So it ends with Matt Murdock going to jail. Uh-huh. Um, it's not really a spoiler like it's on the cover of the next volume <laughs> and so i read like the the notes afterwards and um bendis 
knew that Brubaker was going to be taking over the run at this point. And he's like, okay, where do we need to leave this character? And they're kind of just batting ideas back and forth. And apparently Brubaker just kind of muttered at some point, you should go to jail. Then this is like, yes, that's what I wanted to do all along. I didn't want to say it, but yeah, that's what I wanted. God, I just, I want Brubaker and Bendis always to be working together. I yeah. just want to put them together in a room and just say, you don't get to leave until you've created anything yeah. with everything always and then you will be the end of the uh, end of the world because no one can ever surpass your content <laughs> yeah and so it's it's really cool and um the way he gets sent to prison is really awesome so like basically the, the whole arc is the whole three volume arc has been his identity is mm-hmm. out but not like confirmed you yeah. don't have proof um and so the fbi is kind of circling in on him trying to get proof that he's matt murdoch and the kingpin who's lovely the kingpin is lovely yes wonderful (laughs) character uh no the the kingpin who um is uh he's been in prison um for a good chunk of this comes to the fbi and says okay i'll make a deal i have proof that matt murdoch is daredevil Mm -hmm. i will give you that proof in exchange for xyz plea deal and okay so the fbi and he, he says the location of where he has the the documents that prove it and lets it slip and so like four or five different factions are converging on this location at once and kingpin has a guy who's a sniper who shoots matt murdoch on the shoulder like outside the building mm-hmm. and uh, they cart him away his friends do he's got like electro with him and black widow mm-hmm. and they they cart him away they take him away but um, they get into the building and there's actually no proof. And FBI's like, you, you played me. What, what, what are you doing? And he says, go sample the blood on the street. It'll match. Oh, Isn't that cool? That is good. Yeah. I like really smart villains when they're done well. Yeah. Like not done well, like a quarter of or like a third or a half of uh lex luther mm-hmm. he's just the smart one isn't he's the smart one he's just like oh i just gonna play like really basic mind games with superman and like yeah. oh i've been planning this all along but like that that's an element of just like it's an actual scheme it's yeah set exactly up and paid off yeah yeah great stuff um really like that Still haven't been able to find Volume 3 of the Brewbaker run for less than about $100 anywhere. Still been searching. I found one for 60 and I almost no. texted you, but I figured that would... Nah. If it's like 35 I'll go for it, mm-hmm. but 60 is excessive. Is that the, and that's the third volume? Yeah. So you've got some time. Yeah, so I'm probably going to hold off on that for now, because the Brewbaker volumes are slimmer, so I'd probably only get through them in a couple weeks. Yeah. I'm going to hold off on that for now. It's kind of a good natural stopping point, and I've got some other stuff I can read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started Daredevil End of Days, which is a one-off by also by Bendis, okay. um, but it was written uh, in the early teens. Um, so Marvel at some point did a series, Marvel colon The End, and it's basically what would the end of a character's natural like character or story arc mm-hmm. look like, their final ending story. And they did like little one-offs. And this is in that vein, but it's not technically part of that same series. So I've only read the first three issues and it's a it's an eight-issue thing. The first issue opens with Daredevil being beaten to death by Bullseye. 
Oh, just to death. Just to death. He dies. Oh, He's okay. dead. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's, uh, so the whole thing is from uh, Ben Urich's perspective, mm-hmm. the reporter, as he's like trying to figure out. So his last word, uh, Daredevil's last word is Mapone. Mapone! Mapone him. That's Mapone. <laughs> that's, that's him going like, oh, I won this in the end. He like, I pwned them. This is my pwn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it means yet. Uh, neither does Ben Yurik, but he's exploring. He's trying to track it down. And so mm-hmm. he's going through. It's This is really, so far, it feels like a um, just a culmination of daredevilness. He's gone and he's visited a whole bunch of past romances and mm-hmm. characters and stuff. And just digging into all these little, little tiny things that have come up through the comics. And just trying to figure out what this word means. That is such a bendest thing to do, though. Where they're like, yeah. hey, we've got this idea where it's going to be like the end. Like, what this is like the end of what they're going to be like. It's like, cool, I like that. I'm going to do it way different and kill him at the beginning. Yeah. Because, like, he's done that with the action comics. They're like, hey, we're going to give you Superman. And this is the way Superman is. He's like, yeah, cool. I'm going to make him come out as Clark Kent. <laughs> and we're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, guess... he just... Bendis breaks the rules. And it's... He is the person that is that the comic industry has needed yeah. for so long. And yeah. I want to do an episode on him, like what makes him mm-hmm. just so fresh, mm-hmm. which can be like him breaking the rules is one of them. But yeah. I need to go through, I need to read a lot of his arcs and stuff like that. Yeah. Like re, I need to do my research yep. before I can claim to do an episode on him. But I think I would like to do eventually some episodes on some of the greatest writers. Yeah. And like, what did they bring? Like, I can do one on Marv Wolfen pretty soon because I've mm-hmm. read a lot of his shit. Yeah. Like, what do they bring to the comic world and how how's the how's this stuff shifted with them? Yeah. And I think Bendis is a great one because he's a yeah. modern. But we can't do it yet because he's not done. Yeah. Marv Wolfman's done. Yeah. <laughs> we can do Alan Moore. We can do Alan the Moore. The fact that he's a terrifying god man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that's good. Reading that. Uh, excited about that. Andrew, are you okay? Hmm? You're so quiet. Oh, sorry. I'm researching still a little bit. <laughs> he's, and he's I have nothing. the episode topic. I have nothing to really contribute to comics, yeah. anyways. Yeah. One other thing with that. Um, so at the end of volume three, there's a um, like a little one off crossover story arc with Punisher and Spider Man, which is fine. Um, and then there's a one issue, What If, which is like the DC Elseworlds. Yeah. Um, what if Karen Page hadn't died prior to the start of volume one? Because mm-hmm. she's died, she died in continuity before the start of volume one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, I mean, the story itself is fine, but it's presented from the perspective of a guy just like sitting at a bar talking and he's like, yeah, I've got some inside knowledge. I know that Daredevil is Matt Murdock. I know mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. And then uh, Karen Page comes in and beats the shit out of him. <laughs> so well, I, was, I was like who is this guy he's clearly supposed to be important kind of looks familiar black jacket bald guy wait brian michael bendis wrote himself into the comic oh my god <laughs> he's sitting at a bar explaining like <laughs> it's basically him speculating and like yeah. spinning off this story it's very meta and i don't know what it means but it's, it's amusing. so bendis yeah he likes uh-huh. bendising the rules oh! And then his counterpart, Brew, breaks them. That one was a little more clever. I'll give you that, Matt. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Would you say it's Alan more clever? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. Okay. 
Okay, we're done with this. Okay. Um, I also watched I'm Thinking of Ending Things on Netflix. I'm Thinking of Ending Things? I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Oh, Sounds boy. Happy. Please tell me that's not the same problem as 13 Reasons Why. No, it's not. Oh, thank God. It's a relationship. Um, okay. Oh. With the, so it's Charlie Kaufman who did adaptation and being John Malkovich or mm. um, stuff like that. Um, so he does really weird, trippy concepts. Um, I'm not entirely sure what this movie is about. Um, so ostensibly, it's the story of a relatively new relationship. Um, Jesse Plemons plays the the boyfriend. And I can't remember the main actress. I hadn't seen her in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been in some stuff, but nothing I've seen. Um, and they're driving out to his parents' farm um, to meet them for the first time, just have a nice dinner. Um, and it's like 20 minutes of them just talking in the car, and then an hour of them having dinner, and then a half hour of driving back. Hmm. And it's deeply unsettling. I like unsettling. Yeah, I like I, I like Midsummer. I think you would really enjoy this movie. Okay, I think this is right up your alley. Um, like, there's a lot of things, just like little inconsistencies. Um, the the female lead's character, like, describes herself as having ten different professions at some point or something through the movie. It's like, at one point she's a physicist, at one point she's a poet, at one point she's a waitress, just mm-hmm. all over the map. Um, and like little details change. The parents' age changes. Their appearance changes. Weird. Um, the parents are uh, Tony Collette, um, from Hereditary and Knives Out. She's the Instagram influencer mom. Oh, I really like her work. I've hated every single one of her characters. I feel really <laughs> uncomfortable when she's on screen, but that's because she's really good at her job. Yeah. she's a great actress. Um, and then the dad is uh, David Thewlis. Oh. Uh, Professor Lupin. Yeah. Or, oh. Yeah. Aries. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's there's so many little unsettling things that happen. Mm-hmm. And every time it just starts to edge from unsettling to downright creepy, something grounds it. Something breaks it back. It's a mm-hmm. nice nice moment between the, the boyfriend-girlfriend pair or mm-hmm. touching moment between the parents or something. Mm. But it just, it keeps like edging a little farther out. And I, I'm not sure what to make of it. For the first, like, five-sixths of it, I was pretty sure it was, like, about dementia and aging. Like, memory loss. It's about the the boyfriend trying to remember this incident. And, like, pieces aren't sticking, but sort of impressions are. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of... It puts you in that unsettling headspace where you don't know exactly what's real. Mm-hmm. But then there's some stuff at the end that just feels really out of place, if that's what's actually going on. And I don't understand, and I need you two to watch it and explain it to me. <laughs> Dude, I'm down to watch this. This sounds fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's it's good, but I'm still wrestling with it enough where I don't Ooh. know that it's great for me. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Yeah. Interesting. That was the thing. All right. It's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Yeah. Just on dropped, Netflix? Just dropped on Netflix a couple weeks okay. ago. It's like a Netflix original. This episode brought to you by Netflix. Yep. No, use, no. Use our no, promo code. Not right now. Not with the cuties thing going on. Netflix. Not, no, not now. Well, Net- I'm going to wait till all that passes before we start trying to like associate with Netflix. Nah, yeah. That's probably a good idea. Um, <laughs> watching that this episode brought to you by Hulu. <laughs> no, because they're Disney. Oh, that's yeah, right. Like Disney Shit. Right 
Brought okay. to you by R.A.M. Productions. There yeah. Is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's all I've Fuck been up to. All right. Uh, I have been on a bendicing, bendicer, bender of trying to finish. That was a fail. That was uh, bad. Trying to finish a lot of the shows that I've started. <laughs> Shut. Nice. The actual darn up. I appreciate that. I've been told by Gage to watch my language so he doesn't have to bleep as much. <laughs> I told I told my parents that we were rebranding, and my dad's only question is: Is Preston going to swear less? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, I love it. I love that. Just part of my identity to people's parents is the one that curses a lot. Yeah. Um. So uh, I've been trying to finish all the shows that I've started and not finished. Mm-hmm. So I finished. I caught up on The Crown, mm-hmm. uh, so through season three, which okay. is the first season with Olivia Coleman, and the next next season's going to have Olivia and Coleman, Olivia Coleman, and they're introducing Diane, which I cannot wait to see that whole bit. Oh. Um, uh, Diane, Diana. 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 Um, but basically, okay, so I watched the first two seasons before I really got into watching things critically, mm-hmm. and then I watched season three being able to watch things critically, and holy shit, this is a good mo- good show. So yeah. something that they do that I've noticed is they take each episode is kind of structured around a kind of a significant inv- event through mm-hmm. Elizabeth Rain. Right. Um, so there's the stuff like the uh, Abenthi Abenthi landslide that killed like 166 kids. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like all the shit with the prime ministers. Right. Like that because she's had I think by the end of season six or by the end of season thir- three. At the, like one of the last episodes, the prime minister's stepping down, and they're gonna get a new one. And she's and she's talking to her sister, and Margaret's like, "Which one would this make?" And she's like, "This next one would be my seventh prime minister." And it's just like, so it's all that stuff. Um, there's, uh, it's just the, all the incidents kind of throughout. And mm-hmm. um, season three really kind of hones in on Charles, her son, that is you know uh, heir apparent, um, and kind of following his life under the kind of the, the the iron fist of the monarchy mm-hmm. um growing up having no that they do such a good job of this character uh so what i'm gonna get into is the fact that they pair something that's going on with a dramatized version of a family incident mm-hmm. so that they make sense together okay. so basically what they do is uh, for charles there's an episode that i just love where they sent him to go to Wales mm-hmm. and learn about the culture and stuff like that. But it was, he was sent to just kind of bridge the gap and just to kind of keep them. Cause the Welsh were like, we want independence. Like we are just being mm-hmm. crushed. Like the last native Welsh speaker is dead. Like it's just the English people are pushing the Welsh culture right. out. And so they're like kind of getting an uprising and they're like losing f- good faith with the Welsh people. So they send Charles to kind of just like, oh, make friends. And it makes this analogy of um, Charles is, it has no independence. He's mm-hmm. being told who to be. Um, because and, and he starts dating, um, starts kind of seeing who he's actually married to now mm-hmm. before he meets Princess Diana. Um, because they were in, into each other, but uh, there was some like there was some like drama with like cheating and like and uh, mm-hmm. affairs and stuff. And then he met Princess Diana, which I'm assuming is going to be like he's told to marry her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
when she dies, he then goes back to, uh, I can't remember her name, but basically he has this really cool moment where it, it plays into a joke later, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It, it is this opening moment, or like this opening up moment to, the, to his girlfriend where he's like, I can't, I, I am, it's the dangling man. He references the book, the dangling man, mm-hmm. where it's a man who he can't become attached to anything because it could change any moment. Basically what he's saying is like, I can't get a passion. I can't get into a hobby or anything because if my mom dies, I'm suddenly King and all that goes away. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I'm just in this, in this limbo of existence mm-hmm. and it's the worst thing ever. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like it actually brought tears to my eyes. I was like this fucking kid who's no older than me mm-hmm. just has this responsibility to be on hold until like for him to become King. Yeah. And it like, it plays so heavily into that theme with him. And it, it's, it's such a heavy show. Mm-hmm. There's a few moments where it's just like, I'm kind of tired of like some element. Like it's not a perfect show by any means, Yeah, but it's no. a great drama. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. I I just recommend it to people. It's a good watch. Like especially, it's it's not one that really makes you binge. Mm-hmm. It 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 sucks you in really heavily for that episode. Uh-huh. But then by the end, you're like, they're kind of self contained episodes. Enough. Yeah, enough yeah. I would say that's a strength of the crown is it's not one that you have to like watch the entire season right yeah. now there's yeah. no cliffhangers like it's but... really incident by incident and so you're like it's not yeah. really it's enough like i don't feel like watching the next one right. it's like if if you get to the end of it and you've got something you can do you're like all right i can like you can detach yourself okay which yeah it doesn't try and hook you for the next episode like immediately yeah. it doesn't leave you on a cliffhanger always where you're like i gotta know what happens next and that which is it, refreshing it explains why i have gone back to it and left and gone back and left and gone back multiple times yeah mm-hmm. because i just it's just like oh god i don't know what's gonna come next like i there's there's none of that i mean there's a little bit of that like mm-hmm. i love their characters and uh there is some very overarching plot threads and stuff that mm-hmm. uh that mostly play like kind of um the affair the alleged affair with uh prince philip Mm-hmm. Um, during season two was kind of the big season long plot thread that was resolved. Um, but for the most part, it is pretty much just individual episode stuff, but yeah. it's really good. Yeah. Um, I finished Watchmen. Yay. Finally. What'd you think? Oh my gosh. We got to talk about this. That is nuts. Yeah. No, that show blows up. <laughs> <laughs> you, I... Have you seen the rest of Watchmen yet? Nope. He hasn't seen any. I've, oh. No, I've seen last episode I watched. There was a phone booth where you can talk to Dr. Manhattan. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah. Everything explodes. Everything comes back. Yeah. Like every single really? thing that exists in the first three mo- in the first three or four episodes comes back in a different way that it that like it, or in some like more extreme way or like, something. Is it all going to surprise me or? Yeah. Mm, yes and no. It's not. It's there are points where you're like, oh holy shit. Mm-hmm. No way. Um, there's nothing that comes out of left field mm-hmm. particularly everything mm-hmm. everything feels like it was baked in and planned from the beginning yeah okay. but there are moments where you're gonna go oh wasn't expecting that to play out that way yeah mm-hmm. that makes so much sense yeah okay yep um the by that episode has it introduced imprisoned 
Ozymandias. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. in the first episode. Okay, I couldn't yeah, remember yeah. if they've introduced... Well, I, I know they introduced... I don't know if they introduced he's imprisoned in some way. There's the warden. Do you no. know about the warden? Um, the warden? I think last thing I saw with Ozymandias is he killed his clones. Okay, so there's... Mm. Okay, so there's... So much to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it... Oh, yeah. That pays off in a really unexpected And it, way. it also... What it actually does is... Uh, I'm not going to tell a lot about it but i think it does a really interesting job of kind of by the end of the book watchman and the show watchman you're like oh dr manhattan is literally just a god with no bounds Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this kind of introduces bounds to him it really high like above anybody else mm -hmm. but there are like some kinds of limitations it's a limitation you would expect a god to have kind of yeah okay uh, he's a little, I would put him a little lower than a straight up god. Yeah. Um, uh, so he's a demigod? Uh, demi hemi semi god. <laughs> demi hemi semi god. No, wait, that's smaller than a. That's, he's a demi and a half god. <laughs> okay. A demigod had sex with a god and had him, basically. Well, <laughs> I don't, I don't think god. That's Three quarters god, yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, but no, it does a really good job of making that feel right. Like, they didn't just make him more powerful. Basically. I was concerned because I heard that he comes back in some capacity in this show. Mm-hmm. And I was concerned it was just going to be like a deus ex machina and ruins everything. Right. But they don't do that and it mm. feels right. Yeah. Um, okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. excited. They have to be doing a season two because <laughs> what the fuck is that ending? Yeah. <laughs> it isn't an ending. Yeah. It's. Mm. Like, it, it's like they literally got to the middle of a season, like, of a penultimate episode and chopped it, and that's the end of the season. I'm just like, huh? <laughs> yep. So Wildly ambiguous ending in a really great way. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then I am catching back up. Uh, we're not catching up. I'm finishing Man in the High Castle. I'm about mm-hmm. halfway through season three. Mm-hmm. Um. I would say of the, I forgot, I was going to say of the three, but I forgot there's a fourth plot thread that I really just don't care about. There's basically there's four plot four? threads. Uh, well, main yeah. groups of people. So there's uh, antique seller guy and skinny right. guy, yep. um, which I don't care about them at all. I don't, like they're going, they're leaving San Francisco. Cool. Yeah. I don't care what they're doing. Every time it cuts to them, I'm just like, all right, back to work. Yep. <laughs> um, there is the... Uh, there's the Juliana and her and, and like the, the traveler plot thread, which is weird and I don't care about it anymore. It's like, it's, it feels from the way the show started, this feels out of place. Mm-hmm. Like it is built to this, but I really liked the groundedness of the first season. Yeah. And so this just feels weird and out of place. And especially once they really break the, the, the threshold of like what it looks like to be a traveler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just like, all right, this is like superhero shit. Yeah. I don't care about this. Um, yeah. There is the, Oh, who am I? Joe. So there's the Joe, the, there's Joe, which his has just started. He just left. Hmm uh dc so he's got a plot thread that i don't have an opinion on because it hasn't really fully started yet right but the smith family 
is such a good fucking plot thread. I love that story of just like, it's not what I expected from him. It's, it puts them in a situation where there are both simultaneously antagonists and protagonists. Yep. And just that struggle of they don't know where they exist. Right. And then, like, within the family, all of them are individually antagonists and protagonists. Yep. And I kind of glimpsed forward at, like, a synopsis of an episode way in the future. And I know that their kids are going to be the same way, too. That there's something happening with their kids mm-hmm. about their view on the Nazi party. And, like, it just, it, it crushes me. And the acting is so good, especially with Helena. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, Helena or Helen? Helen. Helen. That plot thread is just so good and just so visceral because it feels authentic Mm -hmm. and it's developed. It's not out of nowhere. Like from the beginning with their son, like having the condition, there's like, oh boy, there's going to be some interesting things happening with this. And it just keeps going. Pays off hard. Yeah. And it does it like, so like later does like. Oh, I mean. It has paid off. It yeah, wasn't it, just has a dropped off. plot yeah. thread. Yeah. yeah. It has paid off and is continuing to pay yes. off. Yes. Um, so that is one I actively enjoy watching. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I have been thoroughly unimpressed with that show, but I'll probably put myself through the fourth season at some point. Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't heard anything about the fourth season. I think I've heard that it is about on par with season three, mm-hmm. um, which is still like, this is not a groundbreaking show by any stretch, but it's a good show. Solid. Like I, I enjoy it. I mean, it's one that this one does like cliffhangers contrary to yeah. or like not like a yeah. uh, crown. It feels like a TV show. Yeah, exactly. Um, but when they introduced the ships at the beginning of season three, I was like, wow, they got a budget jump. <laughs> like they can do just full on fleets now. Oh, then there's the whole uh, Inspector... Uh, Inspector Kido. Kido. His whole plot thread, which is, I think, interesting? I really like how it ends. Okay. That was one of the few things that actually stuck out to me from mm-hmm. season three. I didn't like... So at the end of season two, there's an explosion. I didn't like that the main character is the only one that survived. Because like at the end of the season two, I was just like, plot armor! Yeah. <laughs> like, how did he survive and literally no one else did? Um, but the, um, end of season two, the, you get, you learn who the big mastermind is. And I was like, ah, they're gonna like, I had expectations that they just completely subverted. Yep. Um, which I actually liked. Mm-hmm. I, I liked the way they handled it. I, uh, it, it didn't go directions that I expected it to, that would have mm-hmm. been very vanilla. Right. Um, so I was proud of that. I was happy, proud of. I was happy with that one. <laughs> I think that's all I've been doing. I've been reading some comics, but I've made the mistake of buying comics that I'm really excited to read and putting them at the bottom of my stack. So I'm just like dreading going through all the other comics that I have to read. Yep. Um. So maybe I'll talk about that more later once I haven't. We're at like probably what 45 minutes so far Shoot, in the episode. Uh, 47, but we didn't start when we rolled cameras. I started so. the stopwatch 43 minutes and 30 seconds ago. Yeah, oh, we gotta okay. get cranking. Yep. Uh, news. There's a few bits of news. Yep. You know, one thing we've not been up to this week is watching Wonder Woman. Watching Mulan. Oh, watching Mulan. We're going to that one first. Yeah. yeah. So, Justice Losers, and I don't know about the company as a whole. But we're no, officially taking I, this. I'm willing to commit all of REM to all right, this. REM is right. officially taking the stance that we are boycott, boycotting Mulan. Yep. Um, 
it there is so much behind it mm-hmm. of just the oppression of a people's and yeah, it, disney basically like being pretty much complicit complicit with yeah. it yeah and not even only complicit with it mm-hmm. but also like contributing to an to a degree mm-hmm. where uh, yeah. complicit Enabling. is complicit is when you have an opportunity to do something about it and you don't mm-hmm. contributing the, the is NDA. when you're actually actively like yeah. doing something to benefit mm-hmm. the thing you're complicit with yeah. yeah and this is like it's a little borderline on the definition but the what's happening to the uyghurs in china right now is probably under the un un classification of genocide so it's not yeah uh, it's not i read a thing that it's not officially under it's not officially okay. it's not officially but like if you read the definition you can yeah. make a good argument I just, let's not you let's, shouldn't have to shouldn't split have, hairs exactly about genocide let's not split hairs right. about this thing it's, it's not like mm, genocide like, is only if it's a certain <laughs> amount of people that are affected it's if, really bad that's if the point if daryl comes out and says technically it's not genocide it's fucking genocide it's only light mass murder (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a capital really bad thing matt can you give a diluted version of what's happening so that the people can actually know what's happening yeah well i'll i'll put some links um radio free asia has done a really good job of collecting survivor interviews and stuff Mm -hmm. but basically over the past few years really just the past three or four years um the chinese government has cracked down on the uyghur ethnic minority um which is uh kind of in um they're in xinjiang province and i don't know exactly where that is geographically west west right somewhere in west china close to the middle east i had my directions flipped yeah Kind of, it's it's West China. It's close to the Middle East, kind of close to Tibet, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the Uyghurs tend to be a highly Muslim population. Yep. Um, and they had been kind of left to their own. There's the um, Xi'an uh, or the Xinjiang Autonomous Region, basically that was theirs. But over the past few years, um, the government has been really cracking down on them to the point that like. 10% of the entire Uyghur population is currently in internment camps. Um, Re-education camps. Yeah. And if you've read any firsthand survivor accounts out of those, it's downright Soviet. Yeah. Like mm. um, 15 people in a cell smaller than this, like way smaller than this room. Yeah. Um, to the point where if everyone was lying down, there wouldn't be space. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not being fed or being fed like rotting food. Um beatings basically for no reason uh basically it's a systematic attempt to wipe out their culture and force them to conform there's forced sterilizations um han chinese which are the uh like the the good chinese there's air quotes on that for the the audio the the ones that the government are okay with um are being paid to marry uyghur women so that they can dilute the the blood Mm -hmm. basically just there's there's a lot of analogs to the Americanization of Native Americans. Yeah. Um, if you don't know about that, and you live in America, go fucking learn about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that was that was that was genocide. Like there was genocide involved in the Americanization. Like we literally there's there some bad stuff. There's some yeah. bad shit, and yeah. that's happening now. Yep. In China, and yeah. so basically what happened is so that's happening. That's happening. Uh, Disney. Wanted to film there? Disney did film there. Yeah, they, in Xinjiang, they did. Yeah. In Xinjiang province um, with the okay of the government. 
and um, presumably there's the at the very least they spend a lot of money in the local economy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, which then perpetuated the ability yeah, to... and they're they're complicit with it. They thanked the government for their time when they left. Um, and and so that's the thing that you and Mark were talking about that got yeah. me on board with this. Andrew, you were talking more about the star of the movie. Yeah, she, during the Hong Kong protests, Mm -hmm. um, she was very supportive of the CCP and the police in Hong Kong that were doing just atrocious things to their protesters. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, when all of that was happening, America had a very different outlook on protest. Um, (laughs) We've had our own fucking thing going on right now. (laughs) But, like, it was just too much i i hate a mentality of like we have to support the people in power because they are in power yeah Yeah. that's kind of what it was and i wonder how much of that was coerced or not even if not even coerced just like there's a strong suggestion that you should say something well yeah because who was the actress that went missing for like two months oh yeah i don't remember her name off the top of my head uh ling ling no no um, I don't remember. Ling Ling her... is a, is a uh, violinist. Yeah. No, I, I don't remember her name, um, but she's been in some stuff like The Meg. She's like an actual yeah. real actress, mm-hmm. and she basically disappeared for a couple of she months. She spoke out against the government and then disappeared for like yeah. two months. Then... Which, I mean, think about it a Disney movie is filming in China. Disney's clearly having some iffy ties with the Chinese government. Yeah. They probably picked one of their own to star in the movie. Yeah. And yeah. then she just has a platform to be extra anti-protester for yeah. people that are just having their freedom of speech taken away pretty much like yeah. And I I could probably stomach the movie if it were just her because yeah, she's that's just I was, an actress. That's she's, what I told him too. I was going to watch it mm-hmm. when it was just all that, but but this is I I had my doubts yeah. if I really thought I could enjoy the movie, and now I know that yeah. not only yeah. will I not enjoy it, nobody should fucking watch it because yeah. it yeah. is literally being made on the backs of a tragedy. Yeah, and it's not genocide. a tragedy, a genocide, fucking atrocity, atrocity. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yes, a tragedy is an accident. This is an atrocity. Yeah. Um. Yep. So this is this is an official Justice Losers and REM Productions boycott. Uh, this is the first time we've ever done this. Yeah. Gage put like a boycott stamp on screen. Yep. When Matt does that punch thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Boycott. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> boycott. Yeah. Boycott. No, s- spread the word. This is bad, and Disney oughtn't to have done it. Mm-hmm. And I'm disappointed because, on a purely artistic ground, I was pretty excited for this. Me movie. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. Well, that's thirty bucks we get to save. That's true. <laughs> also, yeah, fucking thirty bucks. I mean, imagine going to a, a, going to see it in a movie theater. Yeah, that'd be twelve dollars for me. But for Preston, who's going to watch it with me, and mm-hmm. Hannah, who's going to watch it with me, and Hannah's sister, who's going to watch it with us, and Hannah's sister's boyfriend, who's going to watch it with us, mm-hmm. and, uh, my brother, who's going to watch it, my girlfriend, who your girlfriend, didn't who... really want to watch it because she didn't like that they cut out the musical part of it. But I was going to force her to watch it. <laughs> I mean, sure, but Disney's always being ridiculously greedy. Yeah. They should have what? just put Disney it up. Disney greedy nonsense. They should have just treated it like any direct-to-video and done normal Blu-ray retail. Yeah. 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 Other news. Other news. Wonder Woman 84 got pushed back to Christmas Day, which is going to throw a huge wrench in our plans to review it. Unless they do advanced screenings Unless like they, they did for Aquaman. Yeah. Because Aquaman, 
We saw it like a week ahead of time. Yeah. It was like the 17th or 18th or something. And that was supposed to be Christmas, like Christmas Day too, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. So mm. I think that that might be what they're doing. I'm guessing that that's what they're going to end up doing. Yeah. Just because, yeah, like people are going to have disruptions around Christmas. Yeah. They want to be able to get those reviews out. Um, and I would imagine it's a movie they're going to have enough faith in that they won't have a, a review embargo. And so they yeah, can't exactly. have people see yeah. it ahead of time. Oh, man. When you hear a review embargo... That's just the death sentence for the movie. Oh, yeah. You like, know it's going to be shit, and they yep. don't want Tired you to talk worst. about it. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. What else? Uh, in, oh, the f- in good news, we got a Dune trailer. We got a Dune trailer. After the trailer the for the trailer. trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the trailer for the movie, not the trailer for a trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looks cool as shit. Yeah. You don't know anything about Dune, dude. Do I don't know anything about Dune except for what you've told me, that Andrew, it's basically ga- Space Game of Thrones. A, are you a Dune dude? I am not a Dune dude. I have not seen the movie and I've not read the book. Okay. But I've... What are you doing? Um, I've got a little knowledge just through osmosis, you know? I do like a lot of science fiction stuff, but I have not dove into Dune. This will probably be... I don't know if Dove I want to watch the dune. <laughs> I've not taken a dip in the dune. Um, and I don't know if I want to watch the original before this comes out or not. You want to read the book first is what you want to do. Okay. But reading um, is so hard. I don't understand words. And when there's like, that's why they have audiobooks. This episode brought to you by audible. No, Stop they're it, owned by Bezos. they're owned by amazon <laughs> i i have a personal boycott and i will walk right now if we're supporting amazon i uh i personally support amazon because that's the best place to get comics for cheap and i buy lots of them fuck you why are you buying secondhand support your artists i i do do you i mean i buy i don't i buy through like used through amazon yeah so like i support like i guess half price books <laughs> yeah which is a good also, noble thing to support. The books that I'm going yeah. for are not in comic book stores because they're all older versions. Mm. Supply anyway, land. anyway, uh, yeah, Fuck Dune Amazon. trailer. So I guess I'm the only Dune dude in the in the dunch. <laughs> in the den. In the den. Dune dude, dude in the den. den. Dune dude in the den. Uh, and therefore, stop just, it. Nope, that's it. I'm done. Can't do that joke. <laughs> Don't know what I'm doing. Stop! <laughs> I already made that one. Yes, you did. So, um, this is actually part one of a two-part adaptation of the book. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. Which has not been made prominent at all. Uh, but apparently that is the I case. I think they want to try to avoid the controversy of like, oh, it's another movie getting foot in the toe. It's also a really dense 800-page book, so shut up, Daryl. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't Daryl. That was... Clive. Bride. Clive. All right, Clive. Clive. Shut up, Clive. Yeah. Fuck. Do I have another character now? Um <laughs> Yeah. So from someone who read the book and enjoyed the book but is not like a, a hardcore Dune fan, mm-hmm. um I have seen nothing so far that makes me worried about this movie. Um Denis Villeneuve is the exact right guy to direct this. It's Dude, I that is probably the thing that gives me the most faith in this movie mm-hmm. because I mean I don't really like to get hyped up just based on the ad because I right. know how good a good edit can make a bad movie look. Mm-hmm. It's been proven to us time and time again. Check out our bad tra- or good trailers for bad movies episode that we did just a few weeks Hell ago. Hell yeah. Um yeah, no. Like that's also the same reason why I have a lot of doubts about the Batman. Mm-hmm. Um Hey, hey. 
dude anyone listen i'm just gonna say anyone that makes a trailer after not even finishing your movie is clearly more into the money than the art because they uh, wouldn't disagree. I disagree. They would have had more filmed if they hadn't been shut down for six months, and they wanted to get something out there. They did DC fandom. They really just needed know. to make people like feel they, like they yeah. weren't being shafted at DC. They fandom. needed a centerpiece, and it's in some sense a, a proof of concept. Yeah, like, this is going to be a different tone Batman movie. They mm-hmm. want to get that out there and make sure that the public's on board with that. Yeah. I'd still disagree. I think okay. anyone that makes the trailer before your movie is just a liar. <laughs> like okay. you're promising a product that's not finished, doesn't that's exist. Yeah. Your your opinion is valid. You're wrong, but it's valid. It's okay to have an opinion. It's wrong, but I'll yeah. fucking it's fine. kill you. It's cool. You're, you're, it's okay. You're a good, um, dude. It's okay. You're, yeah. you're straight up just incorrect, but you're good. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck both of you. <laughs> um, All right. Turn what are we cameras? talking about? Dune. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, fucking every other movie that he's made mm-hmm. that I've seen, I've loved. Yeah. You know, Sicario, Blade Runner, Arrival, um, all fucking very different movies. Yeah. Which gives me a lot of faith that he'll be able to make this movie that's also very different than those. Right. I think he'll be able to give it a, a fresh perspective. Yeah. Um, and this is this is a story in a world that needs um, a blend of it, it's, it's very ideas driven, mm-hmm. but it does need that, that scope and that visual splendor that okay. he really can land. Got you. Um, and so, cause I know nothing about the story is mm-hmm. Timothy Chalamet. How, how do you pronounce Timote. 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 Timote Chalamet. Tiamat. Um, do you think you know he's good Tiamat casting? Is? I couldn't tell if he's just like a broody emo boy because that's what they thought audiences want or if that's what the character's actually supposed to be. Um, He really does look like broody emo boy, and mm-hmm. if he just plays it like that, it's going to be a bit of a letdown. Mm-hmm. He does have a lot of broodiness and emo-ness in him, but he's um, it's supposed to be sort of his... Uh, you know, in some sense, it's just a big cosmic coming-of-age tale. Okay, but that's fun. I'm coming about of age that. as the space messiah. Oh, yeah. okay. Space messiah. Yeah, that Man, sounds like the movie we, we were right trying now? to write. Oh, we we're, we're ways into this. Because um, I don't know if my phone can handle a whole lot much longer. Just under an hour. Yeah, my phone's about to die. Honestly, we so we might lose video. <laughs> get cranking. Yep. Uh, yeah. So the trailer looks good. There's a lot of like visual things that I'm excited to see how they put on film. The sandworm reveal at the end is very cool. That very looks exciting. really cool. Um, I'm the, excited. The fighting with the shields, I was wondering how they, they were going to visualize that, and they did nicely. Um, so for those not in the know, in the Dune Duneverse, um, everyone has like a protective force field. It's a technology that they've built which stops fast-moving objects. So projectile warfare has become outdated. Um, and you can shoot people with lasers still, but it explodes on contact with the shield. So it's kind of like a new, uh, Newtonian or non-Newtonian fluid where you hit it and it stops you. But if you seep into it, you can 
Yeah. So you have to hit people slow. So yeah. combat has reverted to hand by hand, hand to hand. Okay. Interesting. That's kind of cool. I like, that's a good way to remove excessive technology out of the equation yeah. for yeah. sci-fi. Yeah. Because, of course, people fighting with swords is way more fun than people just shooting at each other. Especially when it's Jason Momoa and mm-hmm. Dave Bautista yeah. and Josh Brolin are the people swinging mm-hmm. swords. Mm-hmm. And Oscar Isaac. <laughs> and Oscar Isaac. He's got a littler sword. He's, he's less of a sword swinger and more of a political leader in this oh that's probably better casting for him honestly yeah. but yeah. um but yeah so i'm excited about it but the problem is dune is a novel which relies really heavily on tension and themes and stuff that are built into um psychology and mm-hmm. subtext and there's a lot of characters communicating in layered ways they say one thing but mean another or they speak in some sort of code Mm -hmm. and it's the sort of thing that is going to be really difficult to translate to film effectively yeah i was gonna say that sounds like something that's perfect for a book really hard to do in a movie and again i have faith in villeneuve that he'll find a compelling way to do it Mm -hmm. but we know nothing at this point that indicates that he will yeah this could have been the trailer for a soulless star wars ripoff that's and we wouldn't have known that's what I'm worried about. It yeah. looks like another Jupiter ascending, like something yeah. that looks like the sci-fi movie I've always wanted to see, yeah. but is just going to be another Phantom Menace. Yeah. Well, as long as it, it looks at this point like a pretty faithful adaptation, and as long as it's a faithful adaptation of the bare bones story and doesn't get into those layers, it'll be a perfectly enjoyable sci-fi epic. Mm-hmm. But will you be satisfied as a Dune fan no. if they do not? No. But I'm also not a super invested Dune fan, so I'll be like, I'm kind of in that weird place where I'll be okay with it. Yeah. As long as it's not just a bad movie. Mm -hmm. You're not full Dune dude. You're like... I'm Dune adjacent. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so really quickly, we just lost our audio again. Well, I didn't lose the audio, but it stopped through the last little bit of our news. Uh, Diana Rigg died, who was Lady Elena. Mm -hmm. Sad. Sad. Uh um flash is going to change the world or change the universe or something but not forget the past or some shit i'm assuming they're just gonna like lump all of the past movies like the michael keaton and everything Mm -hmm. into like oh the multiverse yay and this is our new universe or something i don't know um we have season four of young justice we have season three of doom patrol don't start making that joke again we have (laughs) doom patrol Uh, (laughs) Uh, uh matt you so, had a thing. Blumhouse. We know this now. Is rebooting Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday. What? This As is the first time I'm hearing of this. A teenage girl is body switching with a Vince Vaughn serial killer. That yes. sounds... And it's going to be a crazy weird one. To specify, not a serial killer that kills Vince Vaughn. But <laughs> kills all of the Vince killer. Vaughns. He goes from universe to universe to kill every Vince Vaughn. <laughs> but a serial killer played by Vince Vaughn. Yes. Body switched with a high school girl yep so that'll be an interesting one yeah um probably terrible but also could be just a really fun concept and a pretty solid movie yeah yeah it could go either way okay uh i think that's all the news we need to dive into the content if we're not gonna have a three-hour episode let's go content yeah so the reason we have dumbass over there uh guesting on this episode yeah don't talk to matt like that that no you're stupid he's dumbass i thought i was stupid you're both stupid and you're both dumbass, but for the purpose of for today, you are stupid and he is dumbass. Or you are you are dumbass and he is stupid, depending on who I'm talking to. Right. Okay. 
So the reason we have Andrew here. My feelings are hurt now. <laughs> is because we've heard a lot about this thing called a writer's strike that yeah. happened in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And that's a thing that happened. And mm-hmm. I know very little about it. And Matt also knows. I'm aware of its existence. And I know that it's one of the reasons blamed for Quantum of Solace being a wasted potential instead yeah. of one of the best modern Bond movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Andrew. Yes. The fuck happened? So basically every three years or so, the Writers Guild of America renegotiates their contract with, I can't remember. It's like an organization of producers that like every major mm-hmm. production company is a part of pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were trying to negotiate their, so like writers get a cut of DVD sales. You know, they get a very tiny percentage and they were trying to negotiate from a 0.3% of DVD revenue for whoever wrote the film Mm -hmm. um, to a 0.6%, which is, you know, it's a lot. Yeah. I guess. Um, It's an increase of 0.03%, but it's it's also a double of their increase. increase. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, dude, fucking math is wild. Uh, <laughs> so they striked for a hundred days. Um, Wait, for- so we're assuming that the 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 producers were like, no. Oh, the they produ- didn't just say, hey, we want point oh six. Also, we're gonna strike. <laughs> no, no, no. They were they were like, hey, this is what we want. The producers were like, how about you go fuck yourself? Um, and so the writers striked for. The strike lasted for 100 days from 2007 into 2008. Strike? Um, Stroke? Struck? They struck. They were stricken for 100 days. No, stricken is having been struck. They were the ones that struck. Okay, the... They... Strike. They no, they struck. You they, the past tense of strike is struck. Right, but if you hit something, if you go on strike, then you you're you're striking your strike. You strike. I'm gonna strike you. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. Strike that. Um Three So yeah, out. there was a lot of different impacts on the industry during the strike because okay. basically a ton of productions completely stopped. Mm-hmm. Um I know for like the actual crew, the like, you know, me mm-hmm. in the industry, I think it was $349 million of wages were lost for wow. crew, just crew. Those wages were completely gone, evaporated. They were all yeah. basically furloughed by whatever production they were on. That's wow. a huge impact. So um, what does not having a writer on an ongoing project do? So it's not only they don't have a writer on an ongoing project, they can't use anything written by them. Oh, so they lose the ability to have a script. Yes. So a lot of sitcoms just had to go off, had to stop their season mid, uh, mid season. Um, Late night shows just completely went off the air for months. Wow. Because all of their writers were union and they. Was this the end of Jay Leno? Um, I don't think so. I remember when I was a kid, around the time I watched Iron Man, which would have been around the time it came out, Yeah, Jay Leno was still around, and he Mm -hmm. is so absolutely gone now. Yeah, I mean, this was still while Carson was on the air. Oh, wow. So, this- What year was this? 2007 to 08. Yeah. Yeah. Carson Um, was still around then? According to Wikipedia. All right. um, (laughs) Which is my source for most of this. 
but yeah, so there were a couple exceptions to the rule. Um, like Mad Men managed to have an under the table deal with their writers so they could keep producing Thank their goodness. show. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love Mad Men. But most television networks relied solely on their reality TV lineup, wow. which is why reality TV is so dominant in TV today wow. because of the writer's strike. Because you don't need a writer for reality TV. Right. So it was just. Is that when the Kardashians started? Um. No, no. It start? it was citing this moment as the rise of like Big Brother and Survivor. Yeah. Okay. Um. So it's the only stuff. Wow. So it's like it's like an insurance policy now. For pretty much. TV it's series. like they, if another writer strike happened, which there's a lot of belief that there they could have been a writer strike in 2020 had. Mm-hmm. 2020 unfolded much differently than we all thought it would Um, (laughs) because now the production companies definitely like fuck we we need content (laughs) please please write we will triple your fucking uh your cut of the dvd sales we just need things demand went up and so does supply so you know yeah um but that is really interesting i didn't know that that is such an interesting like result of the writer strike that i was not expecting is mm-hmm. just reality tv it, it fundamentally shifted the industry longer. like yeah. and of course it would it was mm-hmm. a huge shift yeah. um and like there were some a lot of movies that did come out during this time period did so without a script um, I know Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog was something similar. Like, that oh. That was a result of the writer's strike because How I Met Your Mother got shut down. Neil Patrick Harris had ne- spare time. He did something to do. And so he wrote it himself, and since he wrote it, and he's not a union writer. So did uh, where was How I Met Your Mother at that point? Um, I think it would have been, like, season five or okay. four. Not even early because... So it ended in 2014. Yeah, but that um, was three seasons after. That was the end of. The, it was like last three seasons, so it would have been like 11, 12, 13, like we're like kind of the starting of the seasons for those last three. Right. Mm-hmm. So it would have been probably a break from what 2007, 2008 to 2011. It's like yeah, so like like a three year break because of a, it. No, not a three year. Break. No, no. Did they just three month break? Yeah, three month. Wait, what? It, the writer strike only went on for four months. Yeah, but like, when did it start? It started. Um, give me one moment. Well, not the writer strike. Dates the... supposed to have facts. Supposed to have number. Labels. November fifth is when it started, and it ended on February twelfth. So, was it an immediate? Like they stopped, or they like, they when did how i met they had to stop? you can't fuck with the union man yeah they... no so like what i'm saying is like did the movies that or the episodes that already had been filmed and ready to go still air or did those have to stop um dead stop i don't think it was universally one or the other i don't know what it was for how i met your mother it really depends on what the contract was okay. if they had arranged some sort of con some sort of deal with their writers that was like hey listen you can release what i already wrote just i can't write anything more because i have to stand with my union mm-hmm. or if they were writers that were particularly pissed off they could have been like no you can't fucking yeah. touch any of my shit okay. um it's because there's a lot of and like every network would have done it differently yeah um 
but okay so, so yeah that that's happened... that's the impact on tv reality tv took over and we're all for the worst for it yeah um yeah, yeah. so movies so that one came out the um dr dr horrible dr. sing-along dr. Horrible blog sing-along. And that's that's a pretty fun movie. We actually, yeah. I actually watched that in uh, my understanding music class. Oh, because it's the cl- it's the it's the class where in like the first couple of weeks they were like, "This is a major chord and it sounds happy," and I'm like, "Oh God, I'm gonna fucking die this semester." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we watched that, and then the other movie I know this is Iron Man. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you told me about this before. Yeah. we Did this episode. So the. I don't think Robert Downey Jr. and John Favreau has explicitly confirmed this, but there is a rumor online that Iron Man was written completely without a script, or n- not written, made completely without a script, <laughs> um, and that it was because it was during it was made during the writer strike. Mm-hmm. They had a concept that they were working on, but they didn't have concrete pages, mm-hmm. so they knew kind of the arc that they wanted Tony to have. Yeah. They knew who his villain was, but they really couldn't use a lot of what they had planned that was written by other writers. Mm -hmm. So they were just like, we're going to continue with it anyways, because Iron Man was made on like an indie budget. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then, you know, Paramount released it. Was it Paramount or Columbia? Yeah, it was Paramount. Yeah, it was Paramount. Um, That is so weird to me that Iron Man is paramount and it's the only is it the only no no because everything up and is... everything up until avengers yeah because was... it was paramount and then they went to disney mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah so the first iron man movie was mostly off book just robert downey jr and john favreau figuring it out scene by scene mm-hmm. um and it makes sense looking at it now because it's such a simple film yeah. Like it's not super complex. There's no like, you know, hidden twists except right. for like, you know, Obadiah being the villain which everyone knew. Hey. Spoilers. Hey. Oh shit. I'm... This isn't a spoiling podcast. I'm sorry. If you haven't if you've been living under a rock for 12 goddamn years. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. But we still don't even talk about the big twist ending or big twist in Star Wars episode 5. Yeah. Don't talk about that one. Oh, you don't talk about Chewbacca hey, eating Luke? Stop, stop. I, why wouldn't you talk about that? <laughs> um, All right. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, mm-hmm. Iron Man's probably my favorite superhero movie, just across the board. And Fair it's enough. really interesting to know that it's kind of just pure inspiration yeah which i kind of i feel like i i feed on that energy when i watch that movie because it feels just purely new and fresh because it was it feels like a bunch of like it feels like a bunch of kids in high school doing a school project except the kids in high school are grown adults that have a lot of experience in the movie industry and know how to make a movie. But I mean John Favreau <laughs> at the time was a he had chef and what else? I don't even think had he done Chef at that point? No. Chef came after Iron Man 1. Really? Mm-hmm. So he had done virtually nothing at that point. An actor, right? And Robert Downey Jr was a complete Hollywood outcast. Yeah. Like Well, not at that point. He, he, did he Iron Man wasn't bang. his full coming back. He guy, Yeah, okay. But it was his it it was his like uh, it wasn't his only come like it was Right. It was the one that cemented him back. Because I yeah. believe not, Zodiac's not before it, was it? 
Zodiac was about after. the same time. I think it was after. Zodiac, I want to say it's 2007. But I'm going to double check. It may that. have been before, but there's Zodiac, and then there was... Um, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. yeah, love that movie. That's that, that was his first debut it. back after everything, mm-hmm. and then Zodiac, and then Iron Man was like, yeah. "All right, we like him now." And then he's been chilling with that and like Sherlock Holmes. Which, yeah, like, Zodiac's two thousand seven. Yeah. Okay. I did a paper on Robert Downey Jr., so like I remember hmm. all this stuff. It's he's the uh, guy who walked into his neighbor's house drunk and fell asleep on their bed. Yeah. That happened. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I. I get I get what you're saying um, with Iron Man. It does it feels different, and you know you you think of superhero movies as the ones that have all the studio oversight and all the well. That's control. because they are now. Yeah. Right. Then it was a dead genre. Like right. Well, Dark I wouldn't Dark say Dark dead. Every well, I mean, a well, lot X3 of three happened. X Men yeah, was not commercially viable. We had, yeah. had X Men three and we had uh, Origins, but both, both of those were flops. Exactly, yeah. like those were the like, two that were, that kind of preceded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I, I Fantastic the Four. Mm-hmm. Fantastic Four was not great. I think Another two terrible came before movie. Iron Man. Yep. So it had the downfall of that there one. Was mm-hmm. Daredevil and Elektra in the mid aughts. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, the Bad Hulk movie in two thousand three. Mm-hmm. I think. Was Blade Three bad? Yeah, Blade Trinity was bad, and that was before it. So like mm-hmm. it, the yeah, and like so what Andrew no, said the, is that the superhero genre had its uprising and then its immediate fall. Yeah, and then this was like the the phoenix. Yeah, no, yeah. it was definitely the thing that because I mean all of the MCU is built on the back of Iron Man One. Yep, yep, and like it. The the Marvel movies do always kind of have this very genuine feel to them, and I think mm-hmm. that's because most of, of Iron Man. Yeah, most of them. The ones that are like super studio. Yeah, you know. Captain Marvel. Yeah, that that studio darling. Um, those, but like you know, your Guardians of the Galaxy, they let directors approach their movie in their own way. Yeah, sometimes. Um, right. I still really want to see Edgar Wright's Ant Man, mm-hmm. dude. For real, I mean, we got Edgar a better Wright movie. cut. The uh, Ant Man probably wouldn't have been as good as Baby Driver, yeah, because he would have always had someone telling him no at some point. Yeah, yeah. you know, even if they let him get away with some of it, he wasn't going to get away He's with all of it. He's the antithesis of George Lucas. He thrives when there's no one telling him no. George Lucas thrives when there's a bunch of people telling him no all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean. For real, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah. So, Go ahead. What do you think? Would the MCU have been the same if Iron Man had been a scripted, normal, studio-controlled projection? Um, that's a good question. I don't think so, no, because I don't think we wouldn't have had that movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it still would have been a good movie just because Downey Jr. can hold his own yeah but i don't think it would have been the immediate darling to everyone it wouldn't it wouldn't have been his character though he got to pretty much call the shots and how tony stark is portrayed yeah and everyone like fell in love with it like Mm -hmm. so quickly completely changed the character from kind of a b-list superhero to everyone's favorite superhero yeah it really was because it was just this movie and then they were like well, that did really well. Like, mm-hmm. what what do we got? Who do we got left? And they were like, I mean, the Avengers, all these C-list. Yeah. Like, they're not even B-list. They're C-listers. Mm-hmm. No one gave a shit about the Avengers before Mm-mm. 2008. 
Yeah. And then just the fact that everyone that, that once this one went so well, if it had done okay, mm-hmm. which it probably would have done without the writer strike, mm-hmm. I feel like they wouldn't have put so much investment into getting well, the Avengers on. Another thing that Iron Man had going for it was because of the writer strike, it had a lot less competition in the box office. Box yeah. office, and. I'm pretty sure that's the reason why the effects look so good because good effect houses probably would have been going for much cheaper. Yeah. Because those effects still hold up, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is mind boggling considering that nobody had faith in this movie. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, no. I guess, well, thinking back, just phase one is a lot of solid movies. Mm hmm. Uh- well, I disagree. Thor honestly. is kind of iffy. Thor, and honestly, looking and if back, my I don't. To this episode, she's probably gonna dump me because she swears by Thor. <laughs> it's just <laughs> too much romance and like not genuine at all. Yeah, yeah. and also um, painted eyebrows. And honestly, Ooh. I don't really love the first Captain America. I think it's the weakest out of all of them. It definitely is. Well, yeah, it's because I like it, but yeah, it's because the you're comparing it to the Russo brothers' babies. Yeah, but <laughs> you get yeah. Winter Soldier in here, and nothing's gonna compare. I mean, that's true, but it's the same character. They should have been able to yeah, yeah. make well, it equal. Hulk is fine. I know you hate it, but it's I, fine. I think if I went back and watched it critically, I'll be like, it's fine. But when I watched it, I just. Edward Norton's face just bothers me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Hulk really benefits from the fact that you didn't see Hulk all the fucking time in the movie. Because right. he was they kind held of a it CGI for... monster. Yeah. yeah, well, especially after that fucking other one. The um, Angley. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Ed Norton Hulk is refreshing the fact that it's about Bruce Banner mm-hmm. primarily, and that's the actual story of the I Hulk, think it I also threw like. me off because Liv Tyler, and that was about the time I was starting to come to terms with the fact that like actors are in other movies, and I was yeah. like, what is Arwen doing in this movie? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So another movie that came out roughly related to it, we talked about The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. How... What what can we see any effects on I Dark mean, Knight from the writer strike? Dark Knight was written by Christopher Nolan and his brother. I don't think Christopher Nolan is a as a writer. Is well, a, I don't think he's a union writer. Um, and if he was, he still would own his material. Yeah, wasn't uh, wasn't David S. Goyer also in on the script on that? I do not know. Pretty but sure. He, hmm. I also, but I also imagine with something that big where it is a big budget and it's a sequel to a movie that was already pretty darn successful. I mm-hmm. would have imagined the I don't think Goyer was production would have been earlier. Matt, I don't think Goyer was. Yeah, that's when we true. talked about all the DC movies coming out and there's Goyer's attached to one of the movies, mm-hmm. I didn't mention Dark Knight. I feel like I would have mentioned Dark Knight if he was on that one. I'm going to I'm going to just double check. Yeah, fact I'm check like, it. I'm like 85% sure that he is. I am 15% sure he's not. <laughs> <laughs> that is up not to 100%. <laughs> but yeah. that Christopher Nolan does take a little bit of time when he makes his movies. Yeah. So it so wouldn't surprise me if ready Dark Knight was in the bag already. Yeah. Yeah. And there might have been like a few things that they had to improv to finish it, but mm-hmm. yeah. it was probably just all the Bruce Wayne scenes. <laughs> yeah, like all the ones where he's like in the hotel and he's like, I own the hotel now and he's yeah. dancing around. Like, Guy dresses up like a bat. Clearly wait, that's where Batman begins. Uh, yeah. Yep, David S. Groyer is credited writer on the story. Okay. Okay. Which, so, oh, it's not, it's IMDb. 
So the way that like scripts work, if it's like the official script page, mm-hmm. they will rank you in order of con- contribution. Okay. Um, so I'm curious if he was just like a primary writer or like a secondary. Or like a con- contributor. He's down the list. So Jonathan Nolan and Christopher Nolan are both listed under screenplay. Okay. And then Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer are listed under story. Okay. And then okay. there's also Bob so, Kane for characters. That Okay. So... If the screenplay was God, written by can, Nolan, hang on a second. Brother. I just wanna. I just need a simmer. <laughs> the, I've been pressed and mad. Oh, you mentioned Bob Kane. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you know about the whole thing? Have you yeah, seen? Yeah, I know about you know, Bill, Bill and Finger. Batman. Yeah, or Batman and Bill. I know about Bill all Bill that. Finger. It's bullshit. Can we just? Can we get retroactive credit in all these movies for him? Like at least the big ones. Like, don't worry about, well, BVS gets him. <laughs> He's like, yay. Like his family, uh, the one family member that got him credit was like, yay, finally credit. Oh, on this movie? <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, mm-hmm. continuing. Um, What were we talking about? Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Yeah, Um, if the screenplay was written by him and his brother, they would have owned the rights to what the actual movie is story by is a little bit looser that basically that could be nolan and him were just having drinks kicking the shit talking about it and they're like oh this is a great idea okay (laughs) yeah so i knew he was credited huh i knew he was credited all right that's interesting why maybe we did mention it in the episode i don't remember we did we did oh well i don't remember anything i have a terrible memory um what happened to Quantum of Solace? That oh. is that is one of my all time like this movie should have been good. Um, and it's not and it happened dude, at this I mean, point. And... I feel you there. My disappointment watching that movie for the first time was immense. Yeah, I'm like, why are they in this sand pit? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like the basic concept of the story is very cool. Mm-hmm. And it's a good, like, modern Bond villain. And you've got David Harbour as a CIA agent, just mm-hmm. kind of on the side randomly. I don't know why I thought of that. He's in that movie? Like, he's in that movie for, like, ten seconds, but he's in it. Um, it's got... Oh, boy. <laughs> it, it builds off the emotional arc from the first one, or it mm-hmm. would if it were better written. Yeah. Um, to, like, where it's, it's Bond sort of... He's coming to... He's, like he's wavering between heart and heartlessness and mm-hmm. he's becoming the bond we all know and love. And this should have been like that fulfillment of that character arc. And then mm-hmm. when starting with skyfall, he's just the bond we know and love. Mm-hmm. This is what it should have been, but it just, it, it, it wasn't. And the pacing's weird and the editing and direction is just a mess. And mm-hmm. <sighs> so what happened with the, with the writer did the writer strike? Cause it seems like that one gets, credited as a writer strike fatality um right back to where it was i mean you can't really i haven't been able to find explicit this is an effect of the writer strike that's all kind of just conjecture yeah um i mean i'd believe it it because i mean what it seems like productions had to resort to is relying on actors that can really improv well Mm -hmm. and not necessarily hinge on the script to make the scene yeah (laughs) Yeah. um and quantum of solace it it is a james bond movie but i remember it also trying to cover a lot of complex plot lines yeah 
that without a script is just going to be very hard to organize and communicate yeah. that to your audience. Yep. Matt, can you pull up a list of movies that came out in 2008? And as charismatic as came out in 2008. As charismatic as Daniel Craig is, I don't think he is James Bond, the way he portrays him isn't like as expressive as you would need to be to really command the screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think he James Bond is a character that is meant to be the uh at least in those movies, the like uh the main focal point in every scene that he's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, your attention is allowed to wander to different elements in the scene. He's um, yeah, he's he's subtle. In in some sense. Mm-hmm. Um let's see. Uh, Hellboy Two was two thousand eight. Ooh, that one kind of suffered. Hmm. That one's good. That was good. What are you talking about? Is it better than the first one? Yeah. Oh. Uh, didn't Guillermo write that? Though? Guillermo did probably write that. Yeah. Why do I remember that one being not as good? Uh, you have a bad memory. Yeah. You probably just associate newer Hellboy with bad. Yeah. Yeah. You just have bad associations with. Or the only people I've talked to about it didn't like it. Who have you talked to? I don't know. Other people, not you. I thought the consensus <laughs> was that it was good and probably better than the, the first one. I don't one. know. I don't have my own opinion. You know, I, I actually know haven't that... seen that one, though. All right. Getting All back right. on track. Uh, Valkyrie came out in 2008. That one, uh, I, I, I do like that movie, but... It's been a long time since yeah. I've seen it. It's kind of just, like, fine, and it kind of feels like the sort of thing where it's probably done. Anyway. It also has a lot of actors that can probably carry improv, so we might not have noticed it as well. I know that one wouldn't surprise me of as have been done as as having been done for a while before the strike began. Yeah, it feels like it's a it's big budget enough and planned. Christoph Waltz, that's his name, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh my god, he's one of those characters that I could just never land the name. You don't fucking have Christoph Waltz burned into your soul. Is he what? Is he in that? Yeah, he's the Nazi. No, he's, he's like the main Nazi guy. No, he's not. That's Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Oh shit, you're right. Oh no, god. Okay, hang on. Christoph Waltz <laughs> had never Nazi been movie. in anything until Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Was that his breakout? Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Because Quentin Tarantino wanted to hire someone that natively spoke German. the language, yeah. mm-hmm. and Christoph Waltz spoke all of the languages that he needed to oh, for that King role. Oh, King Theoden's in uh, in Valkyrie. For like the first scene. Oh yeah. And he dies. Yeah. Ah, they had him dying. I don't even remember his name. Theodos. But he was fatter in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh let's see. Curious case of Benjamin Button. Again, that's probably enough star power in the studio mm-hmm. had that planned out that that was probably mostly done. Yeah. yeah. But I it's feel also like... like it's a low effects movie, so yeah. yeah. A lot of prosthetics. That's, honestly, I think Curious Case of Benjamin Button might have actually been not directly a studio production mm-hmm. that seems kind of like something that someone made independently and then got sold to a studio interesting that doesn't strike me as a bunch of people are like let's have fucking brad pitt aging backwards a in a movie yeah we'll I have mean, a creepy scene with a bathtub it's based on a short story by yeah. um, mm. i think i've scott fitzgerald oh, okay i've read it but i don't remember who it's by yeah but even then, book adaptations, in my experience, are usually indie films. True. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. So that one, it could have been, because that's just because Brad Pitt's in it doesn't mean it's a studio movie. Right. 
It just means it was sagged. Yeah. Uh, but, Hancock. That really feels like oh. Hancock is definitely one yeah. that just like Will Smith was doing what Will Smith does, and yep. Jason Bateman did a pretty good job too. Mm-hmm. But the story is nonsense. <laughs> so yeah. stupid. Like it's definitely them improving because yeah. I know Jason Bateman does really well with that, uh-huh. yeah. and Will Smith does pretty good with it himself. Yeah. Um, but like, especially when it comes to the scene when like they're figuring out the weird love triangle that they accidentally are in oh, yeah. between the the wife and uh, Will Smith, that whole scene just feels like them trying to f- get it straight themselves. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's one that feels like it either should have had a coherent script or should have had no script at all and mm-hmm. much less story threads. Much yeah. less story. It should have been open ended. Yeah, and... I, caught, I caught that too. <laughs> Not a major storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cloverfield, two thousand eight. Oh, that that makes... one didn't take a whole lot of plot though. That was just like, oh god, run, right. wasn't it? No, that's definitely the kind of movie that you could have directed from behind the camera yeah, the exactly. entire time and yeah. figured it out as you went along. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's like, oh, okay, uh, this time today we're gonna uh, the. They're aliens in the other room, so yeah. Or they're like, oh. "Oh, we know, we know the path that they're gonna take through New York. We have these sets planned. We'll figure out what characters doing what." Yeah, you know, it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Hmm. I haven't seen it. Me neither. It's, is is that the one that introduces the Scorpion King? No. Is that the third one? It's the China one, Great Wall of China. What? Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Uh, I vaguely remember that one being passable, but I also watched it when I was really, really young, and I kind of liked it. Mm. Even even young, that one, I was just like, okay. Mm. (laughs) Then the third one, I was just like, this is bad. That is the third one. What? (coughs) Tomb of the Dragon Emperor? Yeah. Second one's the Scorpion King. Oh! Yeah. Oh, I think my brain heard... Uh, Mummy two. Yeah, you did say Mummy two. Mm. Yeah. Did you mean to say three? I said Tomb of the Mummy three, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. I think I said two. I don't think I did. Roll it back, Gage. I'm not sure, but either way, I thought you were talking about the second one. Let's film reactions of if he was right and if he was wrong. You son of a bitch! You're an idiot! You fucking uncapable! How dare you lie to our audience like that? Okay, Okay. but, But what if I were wrong? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh you poor soul bless your heart <laughs> all right uh gran torino was 2008 but that's also like i haven't seen that it's pretty great it's that's clint eastwood yeah, yeah. um again there's not a lot to it um i don't know i guess mm. i guess i don't i have the the framework for thinking about what the effect would have been on something like yeah that. maybe we should watch a bunch of movies made during the writer's strike and, and do this episode again and do this episode again <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull oh great oh, movie loved dude, it everything the made best sense. of the series like harrison ford's performance was so inspiring you can tell he loved doing that character again he looks so happy the entire time. And Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf is... Shia. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf is America's... 
Shalabouf. It's just one word. Shalabouf. 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 He is <laughs> like we all know now, the greatest actor to ever live. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like generation absolutely defining. generation defining. One could argue this generation wouldn't even exist without him. Yep. You know? He single-handedly inseminated every single one of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just by being on movies. Well, and he told us to all just do it. Yeah. Right. But he, he transcends time. So even though that YouTube video came yeah. out. No, dude. Shia LaBeouf is the real world equivalent to Bill and Ted from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yes. When Which he hasn't seen because he you, is an imbecile. I'm a heathen. What the fuck? I'm a heathen. What can Re- I say? You seriously haven't seen Bill and Ted? <laughs> oh my Need God. I say We're it? We're the thing, aren't we? Oh, my God. Need I say it? Oh, <laughs> 12 years. 10 years. 12 years in Azkaban. <laughs> God, no wonder you have no soul. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I spent 12 years in Azkaban being Man. mouth sucked by giant ghost monsters. He's going to watch Bill and Ted and it's going to fix him. <gasps> He's going to be okay. We can fix him. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Twilight. <laughs> hmm. Moving on. Wally. <gasps> Wally. Well, that's animation. Okay. That would yeah. have been in production yeah, for a long ass yeah. time. Yeah. Jumper. Oh, oh that really? One Jumper. Better. Yeah. I liked Jumper. It's I mean, fun. I have not watched it since I red boxed it as a lad, but <laughs> yeah, it it was good. Yeah, it's it's perfectly fun. And fun. Yeah. Um, that's really all the the prominent stuff. Gotcha. Mm. Um. Slumdog Millionaire. Well, that was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah, it is good. Uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. That one's not good. Right. Uh, Eagle Eye. <laughs> Eagle Eye. I forgot about that. Taken. <laughs> huh? Hmm? Taken. Taken. Oh. Oh. Could have been hey. A script yeah. Just, it's just Mel. Liam Neeson. We're Liam just going to put like, eight. Eight. this guy and then shoot him. Yeah. yeah. We're going to put eight people in this room just... Go actually just, kill them. Just you you lost your daughter and go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, they actually stole his daughter. Yeah. That's actually a reality movie where they like they just filmed Liam Neeson trying to get Man. his fucking daughter back from Dude, a whole bunch of Do you of remember movies. when those tapes came out of Liam Neeson? What tapes? Oh, have you not heard about this? No, I haven't heard about this. So like sometime last year, some tapes came out about him wanting to go on the street with a gun and find someone's rapist. My phone just died. Um, And shoot Mm. them. He was just like, so a friend of his had been raped and he was like, I'm going to just shoot anyone that fits the description. And it was a black man that had raped her. So he was getting kind of racist. Yeah. Um, He has since apologized and it seems like the world has forgotten. Yeah. But has he been anything since then? Taken seven. Uh, Yeah. Um, Wait, isn't there like a Tukin and a Threekin? There is a Taken three. There are three of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then all of the the ripoffs, yeah, um, abducted nonstop, and mm-hmm. um, there's a another, there's a couple others, yeah. There's a train one, the commuter maybe. That's what it is. Yep. Yeah, I was about to say the transporter, but that's a different movie. The yeah, gray, which the gray. is actually a the gray. The gray is pretty good. Yeah, it's a. I haven't seen it. It's a 
you know, you expect Liam Neeson punches wolves, and it's actually a meditation on man's helplessness against ruthless nature. Oh, that sounds fun. And wolves are more symbolic and barely in it, but like they're in uh, it just enough, and it's it's great. They're in the last shot. Interesting. That's for dang sure. Yeah. Does he get eaten? Well, it's up to you. Uh, it's, it's a choose-your-own-adventure movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Dude, before cool. Bandersnatch. Yep. That's pretty cool. Dude, I fucking hated Bandersnatch. So I put myself through it. It's also not a choose-your-own-adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Can you imagine if you had a choose-your-own-adventure with Liam Neeson killing people? Dude, that sounds like a really good time. We should produce that. Yeah, R.E.M. Productions. Kill him. Depending. Kill him. Kill both. Yeah. You just... Or kill neither. No. That's and <laughs> yeah, you no. click on it. It's just like shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. No, shut up. you, and then you Liam click Neeson it. Walks into your house and kills you. Exactly. <laughs> must be death. The god of death must get his due. The many-faced god must be paid. Death must be satiated. Mm. Brought to you by R.E.M. Productions. <laughs> That's the movie. Ooh. Death must be satiated. Um, Preston, my phone died, so yep. I'm not getting video anymore. Should we uh wrap this up? We can probably wrap this up. Yeah. So ultimately, the writer strike, I feel like mostly had its impact in TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that seems to be the case because movies have a very different production schedule. A lot of them just went on hold yeah. during the six months because, like, six months of turnaround isn't unthinkable for yeah. a movie. Yeah. But for a TV show with weekly episodes, is a yeah, fucking breakdown. it's that because those are written that week often. Yeah, you know, and like, yeah, it's broadcasts a whole other ball game. Yeah in terms of just turnaround and pace that they run their productions through. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. We can see some still and see some fallout from mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. Did they ultimately get their 0.06%? Um, I believe so. Good. Something works. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. They, they fucking got their DVD residuals. Look at all that it's doing for them now. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we want DVD stuff, and then Blu-ray happened like two years later, and it's like, oh, fuck. And streaming, and yeah, they're antiquated and outdated. Yep. Sorry, guys. We tried. Do it again. Don't do it again. Nah. We don't want more reality TV. The the Kardashians just announced that they're done after this season, and I want it to stay that way. Kardashians are eternal. I'm the present. Yeah, dude, just wait. and The Kardashians are going to end, but the Jenners are going to just fill that spot, man. The Kardashians are the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end they are they were and they will be to come mm-hmm. in their holy name oh man <laughs> we just became a cult of the kardashians um all right well shall we we shall thanks everyone for listening uh you can find us on soundcloud itunes spotify Podbean, iHeartRadio, and probably literally anywhere else you can listen to things mm-hmm. go out into nature the birds are singing our song it is lovely we're on social they media they're the cherubim and the seraphim of the uh the kardashians <laughs> <laughs> we're on social media and this is actually starting to happen now uh we're putting out a new logo with this episode we have or will be putting it out what time is it <laughs> <laughs> it's about it's launching at eight o'clock today yeah it's pushing four o'clock so, so four hours from when we're recording this uh, actually, probably at the exact time this is being released. Yeah. So, but most of the people that listen to this, it's out. Go look at our Instagram. Right. Uh, look at our Instagram, at Pod. We're also on Twitter, at Pod. We're on Facebook. 
where you can book our faces to face your books. Do not book my face. I don't want any part of that. You're, you're not. You're not part of this. You're. You're our. our okay. Captive, good. Captive I didn't spot. know what I was getting myself into here. Well, you no. best get yourself out the way you came. Oh. Quit it. Okay. We're also on Gmail. <laughs> JusticeLosersPod at gmail.com. And Mark actually sent us an email this week. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about that real quick or save it for uh, next week? Okay. Um, short version Aquaman is about masculinity. It's good stuff. Good. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. What else are we on? We're on Patreon where you can send us money. Not you sure can, why you would. You can pay Tron. Yeah. Tr- oh! When did Tron come out? Right around then. Probably 2010. Thought it was 09. It might have been an F- might have an effect. 09 or 10. Probably not that much of effect. Good old. Uh, yeah, I mean. Good old Jeff Bridges. Just Jeff Bridges. Holding on to those two. I mean. What's he done since? A fucking Stella Artos commercial? But Stella Tron Stella is Water? also oh, so special effects heavy. It yeah. might have been shot eons before yeah. <laughs> they, they shot the it actually over. immediately after the 80s movie and have mm-hmm. just been working on it since <laughs> why do you think jeff, jeff bridges, bridges looks, looks so young yes <laughs> he actually looked that cgi heavy young <laughs> when he was a kid listen yeah, yeah. makeup has come a long way yeah. in the film industry it sure has um yeah so uh, i think that's all the things that i'm supposed to have said although i should probably say something about what we're saying next week what are we saying next week next week is oh uh 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 what what the fuck is it it's um hang on i can remember it's oh my god what is it it's something that we're doing and i know it and it's gonna be before the 150 what's one what's 149 wow that sounds so interesting i can't wait pull up the pull up the drive I can't, uh, oh shit. It's not video game thing, because we were no, pushing that back. Yeah. Um, this this is, hurts. This is awkward and embarrassing, and I'm, I'm sorry you have to bear witness to it. Oh, this is awkward. Maybe Gage will cut all this out. Yeah, Gage, Gage saves us from ourselves. Uh, He's not going to save us from uh, ourselves. Uh, no, I don't think he is. Anxiety slash pacing? No. I already did that. Uh, movie theater experience. Movie theater experience. experience. Actually, gauges uh, gauges thing. So, the movie theater experience exists. Uh, how did that develop? Well, like when you when you envision so like that, that's all the snacks. Why that's, popcorn? Why popcorn? Why seven dollars for popcorn? Why fourteen hundred dollars for a fucking small drink? <laughs> why do I gotta give up a kidney for some fucking Reese's pieces? Man? Yeah. Why? Why is this the thing? How is the? How did this come to be? So it'll be a right. bit of a history lesson. Spoilers, because yeah. Disney's an asshole. Usually that's yeah. the case. Yeah. Why yeah. does Regal like Pepsi now? That's a question. That's the question of the ages. That is. That was weird and unsettling baffling to us. Yeah. There were several weird and unsettling things before that movie. Yeah. yeah. That was one of them. That was one of them. All right, so that's what we're talking about next week. Okay, great. Uh, I think that's all the things I'm supposed to have said at this point in the episode, and for some reason this has kind of become a go-to little outro bit, so thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Oh, wait. Bye.